0: Welcome to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From cat naps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Q&A Tuesday. And you know how sometimes I sort of batch things together and make it like a themed Q&A Tuesday? Like, sometimes I've gotten a lot of questions about travel. So all of the questions for that week's episode are about travel. Sometimes it's just specifically about naps. That's not this week. It's a mixed bag. I got a lot of just a lot of questions in the last week in my DMs on Instagram, but they were a really mixed bag. All kinds of ages, all kinds of stages, all kinds of challenges. That's okay, though. You know what? The thing I like about that is that the more stages and ages we can cover, the more challenges we can cover, the more variety of questions I can answer, the more people who are listening to our podcast, who are going to get helped by this, who are going to get some relief from the questions that they have or the challenges that they're having because we're not just touching on newborns and we're not just touching on preschoolers. We're touching on every age and all of the different sleep issues that you might be coming up with as parents. So let's dive into this mixed bag for today. The first question is this. What do you suggest if I want to sleep coach my 6-month-old but I'm worried about the noise waking up my preschooler? I need to get my baby sleeping but I'm so scared of waking up my older child and then having two awake in the night. Okay. So this is a very common fear that we hear from parents who have an older child and are really wanting to get their baby sleep on track but are just so concerned about their older child waking up that they've been putting off and putting off sleep coaching their baby. They really want to sleep coach their baby. They want their baby sleeping longer stretches at night. They want to be able to put their baby down in their crib for a nap, but they're so afraid of their older child waking up because of any noise that the baby might be making that they keep putting it off and they keep just running in the moment the baby makes a peep and rocking them back to sleep. And while this means that they have to do this multiple times at night every night, they just haven't been able to get over the fear that it's going to wake their older child. There are a few things we can consider in this case. There are a few things we always consider with families at the Happy Sleep Company when we are working with a family who has an older child and a baby and some suggestions we can make. The first thing is a sound machine, a sound machine in your older child's room, a sound machine in your baby's room, a sound machine in between their rooms outside of their doors if you would be more comfortable with that and that provides you with some extra reassurance that your older child might not wake up but a sound machine on a white noise setting to drown out some of the noise that often comes along with sleep coaching can be helpful let me stop here and say to anyone who is worried about this concept of your baby making noise and waking up your older child my constant reminder that sleep coaching does not mean we are just leaving your baby alone to cry by themselves with no support for huge extended periods of time. Absolutely, sleep coaching does not need to mean that. But when parents like this parent come to me, they often have very realistic expectations in that if we're going to make a change, if you have always been rocking your six-month-old to sleep for every nap and every bedtime and every time they wake up during the night, and you as a parent have decided now is the right time for you to make a change for your baby's sleep, for your family, then this parent is being very realistic that there are going to be tears involved with that change. We cannot expect a child to have gone to sleep one way Every day and night for six months, and then just master independent sleep within minutes. And we can't expect that they won't be a bit grumpy about this change. They would prefer to be rocked to sleep. But as parents, Sometimes we get to the point where we realize rocking this baby to sleep isn't working for our family anymore. It's not working for our baby because it keeps her waking up all night long, not knowing how to put herself back to sleep. It's not working for us as parents because we're exhausted. So we want to make a change. We are recognizing that this change is probably going to cause some protest in our baby. That's why this parent is concerned about their older child waking up. But we want to take an approach where while we know there are going to be tears involved, we're there. Our baby can hear our voice, feel our touch, picked up for a hug if we need a hug, has reassurance and guidance while they are learning a new skill whether that means a timed check-in approach where we're going to check on baby and then leaving to give them some time to self-soothe and then checking on them again, whether we are taking a sit-in-the-room approach where a parent is there the whole time until the baby falls asleep at bedtime. Whatever approach we're taking, it doesn't need to be cry it out where you just leave baby alone with no support. It absolutely can, and in my opinion, should involve support, reassurance, guidance as your baby learns something big and new. But as we've already talked about, that is going to come along with protest almost indefinitely when we're first learning. What we want to do is limit this for your preschooler, limit the disruption for your preschooler. Sound machine is a good way to start. Another suggestion I might have for this family is that some families decide to let their preschooler have a camp out in the parents' room for a few nights, the first few nights of sleep coaching their baby. So often siblings' rooms are right next to each other and they share a wall and the parents' room is down a hallway further away from the noise. So some parents would decide, okay, we're going to let our three-year-old sleep on an air mat in our room for a few nights to get him further away from the noise caution with this you do have to be careful that this doesn't become a sleep crutch for your older child your older child needs to be a good sleeper and understand the concept that this is a special treat for a few nights and that they will be going back to sleep in their own bed after a few nights so do be careful with that but that is something you might consider to remove your preschooler from some of the noise for the first few nights of sleep coaching a younger child. And the other thing parents might consider is starting on a weekend and sending their preschooler to a grandparent's house for a weekend. I've had a lot of clients decide to do this and say, you know what, our three-year-old is going to go to grandma's house for a couple of nights and we're going to focus on our baby's sleep on those nights and remove the stress or anxiety around the idea that our baby might wake up our preschooler. Those are some ideas you could start with. I will say that the majority of parents I work with who have spent a long time stressing about their baby waking up their older child and have allowed that to put off sleep coaching find that their preschooler never even wakes up during their baby sleep coaching and they stressed about it for nothing. I will also say this, if you want to sleep coach your baby, but you're putting it off solely because you're worried about your older child waking up, The only person in your whole family who's getting a full night's sleep and is going to continue to get a full night of sleep is your older child. And everybody else in the house has to keep waking up all through the night every night. If you can focus on your baby's sleep for a period of time, even if that does mean that your older child wakes up some of those nights and that stinks because you have two kids awake in the night now, that's probably going to be worth it if you can stick to it and get your baby sleeping because then everyone in your house is going to get to sleep through the night by the time you're done the sleep coaching process. Next question, how do you know when it's time to drop a nap? It's a good question. I get that question a lot. The first thing we wanna look for if you're thinking, okay, my child has been on three naps, I think it might be time to drop to two or my child is on two naps, I think it might be time to drop to one. The first thing we're going to look at is Is your baby refusing a nap? If your baby is refusing one of their naps in the day and it's often the last nap of the day and that's happening consistently, that might be a sign that they're ready to drop that nap. If your baby used to show tired signs leading up to their nap times but no longer does, that might be a sign that it is time to increase the wake window for your baby. And if increasing those wake windows means you no longer have time for that last nap of the day, then you're going to drop that nap. But here is something I will really recommend when it comes to dropping a nap is that often you want to shorten some of the day's naps before you just move to dropping a nap. This is particularly the case if we're looking at two naps to one or if we're looking at an older child and we're considering dropping them to no naps at all. If you are looking at a 12-month-old and they have two naps a day and their first nap is awesome, it's like an hour and a half to two hours and then they're starting to refuse their second nap, before you just assume that you should drop them down to one nap a day, consider first shortening their first nap of the day to put some extra sleep pressure on the second nap. So if your child is currently having an hour and a half, two-hour nap in the morning, and they're 12 months of age and refusing their second nap, I would shorten the first nap to around an hour, then give them a few hours, maybe three and a half hours of awake time before their second nap, And see how that goes. You are very likely to find that a child that age will continue to have two good naps a day if you follow that kind of schedule and stop refusing their second nap of the day if their first nap isn't quite so long. It's generally better to have two naps a day at 12 months with those shorter wake windows than to stretch baby all the way to the middle of the day for their one nap and then all the way to bedtime. On a one-nap schedule at that age, a lot of babies get really overtired with all of that awake time at one year of age and do better with that schedule when they're closer to a year and a half. So at first, I would consider shortening that first nap of the day if that's the issue that's causing you to think maybe you should be dropping a nap. And the same goes for preschoolers. You know, if you have a three-year-old who is napping for two hours in the middle of the day and then having a really hard time falling asleep around 7.30, 8 o'clock at night for their bedtime, instead of just dropping the nap altogether, think about reducing that two-hour nap to an hour and a half or even an hour and seeing how that goes. You may find that your child then continues to have a good hour-long nap for another six months and go to bed just fine. And then later on, when your child is only having an hour-long nap and they're still at this point not going to bed easily, that's when it's time to drop the nap altogether. But it's good to exhaust your resources first and try to hang on to that nap and just shorten it rather than just drop it all together right away. Next question for today, why don't you start working with babies until 14 weeks of age? I've heard you talk about that a lot on Instagram, but I've heard other sleep coaching start earlier than this. Okay. We at the Happy Sleep Company work with babies after 14 weeks of age. And if you had a baby who was premature and born early, keep in mind, we're talking about 14 weeks adjusted. Why is that? At 14 weeks, your baby is fully out of the newborn stage. What comes along with the newborn stage is a lot. It is constant, rapid, day-by-day development. It is often reflux. It is colic. It is an underdeveloped digestive system. Night wakes where your baby requires a lot of feeds. It is really tiny wake windows and a tiny little human being who is very hard to keep awake in your arms and on feeds. So while there are some great things that you can look at to start healthy sleep habits from the early days and weeks... In terms of more formal sleep coaching, where we are perhaps removing sleep crutches and teaching baby more independent sleep skills, this goes so much more smoothly when your baby is out of that very big, huge newborn stage of rapid development. You also have more clear goals in mind. You know, With an eight-week-old, are we expecting that baby to sleep through the night, for example? No, we're not. If I'm talking to the parents of an eight-week-old, I'm telling them to feed that baby anytime they wake up during the night. Whereas when we start sleep coaching, we are starting to look at those really nice, big, long chunks of sleep at night, those nice restful naps during the day. So the goals are more clear, and having more clear and attainable goals can make sleep coaching feel a lot less challenging to parents or just make them more motivated to continue with it because they do see a light at the end of the tunnel. So I really recommend that parents wait until at least the 14 week mark to start sleep coaching. So it's just a very age appropriate time and a more successful time to begin with all of those big changes. Next question. Hi, Erin, looking for your thoughts on this. My biggest concern around sleep coaching, my six month old is feeling like I can never leave the house again. How are you supposed to get on a good schedule, but also get out and do things? It's a really good question. If you are first embarking on sleep coaching, if we are working with a family and we're doing a two week one on one program with them, we do really ask that you aim to be at home for naps in the crib most of the time, if not all of the time, if you can. Of course, sometimes there are going to be things that are unavoidable, like a doctor's appointment and your baby falls asleep in the car on the way home. That happens, life happens. In the first couple of weeks, though, when you are first teaching baby independent sleep skills, really try to focus on naps at home in the crib and proper bedtimes. However, once you have a great sleeper on your hands, that's the whole point. Your baby's a great sleeper. They sleep through the night at home, they take good naps, they are well rested overall. If you have that great sleeper on your hands, then an on the go nap two or three times a week is not going to be the end of the world for most babies. What I would suggest is whenever possible, try to have the first nap of the day at home in the crib and make it one of the later naps that's on the go. The first nap of the day really sets the tone for the rest of the day. It is usually the easiest one for any baby to go down for, and it's the longest and the strongest. Why is it the easiest? Because sleep begets sleep. So your baby's had a good night of sleep. They wake up. They have a little awake time with you and then they go down for a nice long restful nap. They haven't had time to get cranky, overtired and overstimulated yet at their first nap of the day. So it's usually a really good one. And we want to try to prioritize it being at home in the crib and then make one of the later naps, the on the go nap, you know, schedule your swim class for the afternoon. So if your baby's going to have a car nap that day, it's on the way home from that swim class late in the afternoon when the nap probably would have been short and more difficult at home anyway. If you're planning a stroll with a friend, plan it for an afternoon rather than first thing in the morning. Planning those activities at those times and trying to make the first nap of the day at home in the crib can really help, but it's so important to get out. It's so important for your mental health that you're not just at home all the time, only ever having naps in the crib. Also keep in mind that when you have a good sleeper on your hands, you can usually take them to someone else's home, Take a travel crib, unless your friend has a crib at their house. Take a portable blackout curtain and a sound machine and a sleep sack and put your baby down for a nap there. Enjoy a lovely visit with your friend while your baby has a nice, long, restful nap. That is one of the benefits of having a great little sleeper and having done sleep coaching. Okay, last question for today. Hello, I had a quick question I hope you could help me with. My three-month-old sleeps perfectly at night, but her hands have to be in a swaddle. Otherwise, her hands are flying everywhere, giving us both a restless a restless night of waking every hour. Any suggestions how to remove the swaddle while still getting good sleep? I know it's recommended we remove it soon. Yes, health authorities often suggest that parents consider no longer swaddling after about eight weeks of age a lot of parents choose to swaddle beyond this but certainly if your child is showing any signs at all of being able to roll that is when we definitely need to stop swaddling and that's often going to happen somewhere between the two and four month mark so it's good that this family is starting to get a handle on this and think about how are we going to make this transition now that our child is three months of age First of all, I have to say, if your child is showing any signs of rolling, we just have to go straight to a sleep sack. We can't make a transition with sort of one arm out for a few days, get baby used to that, another arm out for a few days while the body's still wrapped. That's something I often recommend as a gradual transition out of the swaddle. But if your baby's showing signs of rolling or certainly if they have rolled, we need to just go straight to arms out in a wearable blanket in a sleep sack. So that's just a transition we have to make for safety if that's the case. If baby's not rolling yet and we're wanting to make more of a gradual transition, you could consider what I just described, which is trying just one arm swaddled out for a few days, then trying the other arm swaddled out for a few days with just your baby's body wrapped, and then moving to a sleep sack after that to make that transition a little more gradual. One other thing you might want to consider as a transitioning Tool for swaddling to sleep sack is something like the love to dream swaddle up. This is a less traditional swaddle. It still keeps baby pretty tightly wrapped and cozy and keeps them from actually flinging their hands into their face, but it does allow them to sleep with their arms up in a more natural sleeping position rather than having their arms kind of pinned down and swaddle the way we do in a more traditional swaddle. So the love to dream swaddle up will have their arms up Over their head still pretty tightly zipped up in their little swaddle but not actually flinging their hands into their face and waking themselves up but getting them used to that more natural sleeping position so that when you are ready to fully transition to a sleep sack your baby is more used to that And used to that positioning and used to having their hands close to their head and their face. And then the transition to the sleep sack might go a lot better. So that's something that a lot of parents try in that transitional stage between traditional swaddle and full sleep sack. That was a mixed bag. Like I said, we covered a lot of things, we covered a lot of ages, we covered a lot of different issues and challenges. I hope that was helpful. Send in your questions. You can DM us on Instagram at the Happy Sleep Company. I walk through my wealth of DMs every week and pull out the ones that I think will help you most that week for Q&A Tuesday. So send your questions in there and I will be happy to either respond on Instagram or throw them into the next episode of Q&A Tuesday on Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.